Listen to the Tommy Schnermecker Show live weekdays 9 to noon on CJAD 800 and CJAD.com. Joining me now for the political panel, Jonathan Goldblum for the Liberals, Jeff Norquay for the Conservatives, and Mary Stiles for the NDP. Good morning. Uh, Mr. Morning. Uh, Mr. Trudeau, Hi. approving the LNG pipeline. Uh, what does this mean, Jonathan? It means that we found the right balance between environmental concerns and moving ahead with industrial development, and it's good news for British Columbia, and it's good news for Canada. I think with the 190 conditions that we've placed on it, that there's still going to be a debate, and the company still has to meet the environmental challenges that we've set. But it's uh, progress, and it's a decision that's been long in coming. Do you enjoy share this joy and this good news, Marit? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I think this is um, one of the the latest examples of the Trudeau government not living up to their commitments on, on many levels. I mean, first of all, to Canadians on this pipeline, on um, the environment and protection of the environment, but also in terms of their commitment to nation-to-nation um, governance. And, and in this case, you know, a complete failure to take into account the significant concerns of the Aboriginal community. Well, wait a second. But seventeen. Wait, wait a second. Area. Hold it. Seventeen out of the twenty original Aboriginal communities in the area are, are approving of it. Three out of twenty don't approve, but seventeen out of twenty do approve. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think this is, you know, again, an, an example where they have not done the work, though, that is important in reaching, you know, consensus around these important, uh, this important issue. They have not done so. Um, there are remaining, they remain important environmental concerns, and, and this government is failing on that front. Jeff, uh, what would consensus be? 21 out of 20? What would it have to be? Uh, well, yes. I mean, if, if one is a believer in uh, an elite manifesto, I guess that's where you go. Uh, I uh, completely support what the government has done here. Um, they, uh, there was an NEB review that was extensive that took two or three years to complete. When the Liberals came to office, the, they called a review of the outcome of the first review. Um, and uh, as a result of that, uh, they've approved the project. Now, all that being said, uh, it's probably quite likely an academic question. Um, because as a result of the drop in energy prices uh, of roughly 50% over uh, where prices were at the time this this uh, project was proposed, um, it is reported this morning that Petra, uh, Petronas, uh, the Indonesian state oil company that is the proponent here, is very likely going to throw up their hands and sell the whole thing. Uh, in which case it will be somebody else's problem. So, um, you know, this is one case where I suppose delay and ragging the puck and and all of that uh, leads to an unfortunate consequence. I don't think this will ever be built, at least least not in the current um, atmosphere of energy prices. Do you agree with that assessment, uh, Jonathan, with the low demand for energy prices and for this, well, uh, that it might never be built? I think that this now is a private sector issue and that it's going to be dep- dependent on market realities. I think there's it's going to be challenging. I think the Malaysian owners of the project are going to review it. But I think that we've at least set a path where they can go ahead with it if they choose. And I think it's good news for the 
premier of BC who can point to this as a major economic development project. I think it's a couple of years down the road still, but we're heading in the right direction. I'd like uh, to get the take of the panel on the conservative leadership race. I think the last one in, Mr. Scheer. Uh, are there going to be too many candidates uh, running, Jeff? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a strange sense, I think that the race has been um, invigorated by the, the, the announcement of Peter McKay that he was not joining. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, now nearly everybody has a shot. Now, nearly everybody has a chance because they're all more or less equal. Um, and I think uh, everybody will be thinking back to the famous Joe Clark uh, election uh, leadership convention in 1976, where I think they started off with seven, eight candidates and uh, went through six ballots. And uh, Mr. Clark, you know, as they as they put it, came up through the middle. So I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting. Um, there's no, you know, that what is clear here, I think, is that there is going to be a significant generational change in leadership. Um, the vast majority of the candidates are in their in their 40s, uh, late 30s, uh, in the case of Mr. Shear, and uh, it, it, it's it's a turning over, and that's good. Marit, what do you see as you look at the conservative leadership race? You know, I, I'm. I have to say, I I, I think that the more the merrier. <laughs> I mean, speaking for myself as a as a president of a party that's uh, going to be embarking on this, uh, I think that uh, that it's really important that any for any political party to have a diversity of voices and uh, and a healthy debate, and and that's what the conservatives need as well. Um, I think that. It is entirely possible, though, that the more voices you get into that mix, some of the voices that are a little bit more out there on the fringe get a little bit more attention. That's not a good thing, especially for the conservatives right now, because it's a party divided. Uh, but but I but I, I actually agree, you know, taking the partisan hat off for a minute, that, uh, that uh, the more the merrier. And I think that's a really good point, that McKay uh, leaving the race has, has opened up the door to uh, a lot of other potential contenders. Would you agree with that assessment, Jonathan? Well, I was reminded of the Joe Clark race as well, but I was reminded of the end of the race and the big headline, Joe who? Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch <laughs> right. of people running who no one really knows, and it's fine, and it'll thin out eventually. But Joe came up the middle with some strong candidates like Brian Mulroney who were uh, well-financed and well-introduced to the Canadian public. I don't see that here, and I think that the popularity of Justin Trudeau and the extended honeymoon is scaring people off. And the Tories are looking at a long-term game plan with a new leader who's likely never going to be Prime Minister of Canada or is going to be there seven years becoming a Prime Minister. So it's a long road, and I think um, it's going to be difficult for them. Jeff, do you see any signs of the waning of this extended honeymoon? Um, yeah, I not not quite yet, although uh, the decision on the pipeline and, and uh, LNG facility in B.C. is is the beginning. Uh, the government has become extremely adept at ragging the puck. They've got more than somewhere between 200 and 300 reviews and studies and mandate reconsiderations going on at the present time, uh, and some of them uh, are beginning to report back. And the government is in a whole host of areas pretty soon going to have to get off the fence and make some decisions 
and get on with governing. Um, you know, I'll just give you one example. Uh, there's an interim report from the study group that's looking at the post office, and uh, people will remember Mr. Trudeau's um, uh, commitment in the election campaign to preserve uh, door-to-door delivery. Uh, and, of course, the expert panel has come back and said, yeah, sure, if you want to pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for a service that people simply don't use anymore. So, you know, uh, there's but one example, and there are many, many more, where uh, reality is getting ready to bite. Coming up, the cost of passengers' food and drinks on Trudeau flights to Philippines and Turkey, reactions to the U.S. presidential debate, and another pipeline, Kinder Morgan, is that going to be built? And the premier is demanding a meeting with Trudeau to talk about health care transfers. We'll get to every one of those issues. And we'll take your texts uh, as well. With me on the political panel, Jonathan Goldblum for the Liberals, Jeff Norquay for the Conservatives, and Marit Stiles for the NDP. The time is... With me on our political panel, Jonathan Goldblum for the Liberals, Jeff Norquay for the Conservatives, Mary Stiles for the NDP. Uh, let's talk about the premiers demanding a meeting with uh, Trudeau to talk health care transfers. How do you think that's going to go, Jonathan? It's going to be a tough discussion in that on the health file under the Harper government, they just wrote a check and gave the money to the provinces. The Liberal Party and the Liberal government is saying, we have some national priorities and we want you to look at them, such as home care, such as mental health. It's a traditional Liberal position. We did that in the Kretschmer administration with the creation of InfoWay and Canadian Institute of Health Research, both of which have been very successful. I think it's going to be um, a tough negotiation, but we haven't had a negotiation in a decade. And that's what a federation's about. So this is um, the start of what's going to be a rocky road and a bit of a roller coaster. But it's good for the country to have this kind of debate. How do you see this uh, rocky road, Marit? Well, I mean, I think that you know the, the Trudeau government has has tried to put forward this new this, this idea that they're a new government with a new approach to working with the premiers. And I mean, certainly uh, the premiers deserve and, and should expect uh, collaboration. Um, with the government, and that there are going to be tough negotiations here. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the changes to the funding formula are looking to cost, according to some of the premiers, uh, like a billion dollars next year alone. And that is significant. It's uh, it's going to uh, be a tough pill to swallow. And, and I can expect that the premiers, even some of them who've been friends, uh, friendly with this government, are going to be uh, not feeling so friendly right now. Um, and as well, I mean, they're going to use uh, this talk of climate change as a negotiating chip, I think, in these conversations. Now, I thought when the Conservatives were increasing the funding 6% a year, that wasn't enough. Now it's going to go lower, and it, and it is going to be enough. Could you explain that to me, Jeff? Oh, uh, <laughs> very easily. Uh, very, very easily. You know, there's a uh, we all know what Parkinson's law is, and that's that you know, the idea that work expands to take up the time available to it. Uh, there's a similar thing that goes on in healthcare spending. Uh, namely that healthcare spending consumes all the money available to it. And so whether you had 6% or 60% a year, the provinces and territories would consume it all. Um, so what the uh, former government did was to reduce the formula from, from uh, a guaranteed 6% to a guaranteed 3% a year. And the idea behind that was to uh, make the provinces, encourage the provinces to drive necessary change and efficiencies in the healthcare system. 
you know, Jonathan mentioned Canada Health Info. It's a great organization. I've done a lot of work with them over the years. Um, but, you know, here, here's the problem. For all the great work that an organization like that does, um, and they have really helped large hospital systems to begin to communicate electronically within themselves, but those big systems can't talk to each other because everybody's special and everybody has to have their own system. So that is the kind of fundamental change um, that needs to take place. And uh, as far as the you know specific is concerned, they aren't going to get that money. They are going to get a billion dollars for improved mental health and home care because that's in the liberal uh, promise book. But uh, returning to the old formula is simply not costed. Mm-hmm. It was not in the budget. They aren't going to do it. Besides, the government's broke. Mm-hmm. Marie, do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is, you know, you, you asked her, I think, earlier, you know, are we, is, are we seeing things shift now? Are we starting to see things shift? In, uh, is the honeymoon over for the Liberal government? And I'm not sure it quite is yet, um, but I think what we're starting to see is uh, it getting chipped away there. And so I think this is one example of that. I think the pipeline decision is another. Um, and I think we're going to see, you know, with some of the latest scandals that we've seen around uh, the sense of entitlement of this government, um, I think that we are starting to see the end of the honeymoon. Well, I think it's still pretty sunny. There's a couple of clouds on the horizon. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this is what, you know, we're governing, and that means making decisions, and that's not going to please everyone. But we've got the goodwill out there, and I think people are pleased with the direction of the government, the new tone of the government, and the pride that we're seeing on the international stage through Mr. Trudeau and this government. But I, I, I guess, though, you know, what's going to happen at some point here, and we're starting to see it already with the pipeline decision, is a lot of those folks who, who you know, may have decided in the end to support the Liberals in the last election, we're, we're hoping that those commitments on the environment, um, on health care, on any number of fronts, were, they were going to live up to them. And now they're discovering that when they scratch the surface, those commitments were, were not even skin deep. And I think that's where, you know, people's patience will wear thin. Well, you mentioned the debate over climate change and health transfers. I think if the premiers decide that they're going to barter climate change versus health care funding, that they'll lose on that. I think this government is committed to meeting its environmental uh, obligations and targets. Which are like the Harper targets. Right. And those targets are the Harper targets, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Just wanted to get <laughs> that out. Eminently acceptable there. Yeah, right. They've suddenly become perfectly <laughs> acceptable. Now, the cost of passengers' food and drinks on uh, Trudeau's flights to the Philippines and Turkey, I'm told, are $1,300 per person. Has the cost of pretzels and TV dinners gone that high? I mean, <laughs> h- h- how did how did that happen? Is that, like, way out of bounds, Merritt? Uh, you know, I, I these, these, these little incidents, I mean, this to me... Um, you know, in and of itself, uh, I, I, I think that if you look at it as a package of issues that have come up recently with the, 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 the how much the chief of staff and principal secretary were, were given for their move, um, some of the other expense issues that have arisen, the photographers uh, at the climate, climate change conference, these all amount to a kind of general 
sense of entitlement, I think. I think that's the concern the liberals should have right now about how, how public perception. Um, you know, little these little things, they, they add up. And they and certainly um, the liberals in the past have been seen as a party of entitlement. Um, this is just pointing people in that direction again. And so, again, to that point, you know, is the liberal honeymoon over? It may still be somewhat sunny out there, but I think that for many people who are struggling, particularly those folks who expected this to be a, a new day with this government, I think this is going to be very disappointing. Jeff, this appears to me to be worse than the $16 orange juice. No, not at all. Uh, this is what you get when you follow the dictates of the Auditor General, who demanded full cost accounting on every penny that the government spends. It mm-hmm. costs what it costs. Uh, so you don't you don't see a problem with it? You didn't see a problem with the moving expenses? Oh, I saw lots of oh, problems okay. with the moving expenses. Completely separate thing. Okay. Com- completely separate thing. But, you know, um, uh, nobody's eating uh, caviar off, you know, crystal dishes here. That's what it costs. And, you know, when we fly, uh, co- when we fly co- general or, well, <laughs> actually, when you fly in tourists nowadays, you have to buy everything anyway. Uh, but, you know, if you travel business, that's all built into the extra couple hundred dollars that, you know, it costs. Food and drink is $1,300? Well, per also, person? This is not something where anyone personally benefited. To the Prime Minister for security reasons, does use the defense planes. And there is no scandal here. It's just what it costs, and they've given pretty good explanations. It's much different than the moving expenses. All right, very, very quickly, the U.S. election, the presidential debate, a quick opinion on it. Jeff? Craziness, um, (laughs) especially for Mr. Trump. I guess, quick bottom line, I'm not sure whether either individual moved uh, the goalposts and changed that many, many opinions. Jonathan? We're dealing with a small percentage of the electorate that we're trying to influence. I think Mrs. Clinton did a good job. But I don't understand the American people, so I can't really give you an assessment. Mar- got a Marit, lot of company there. Marit, you well, get the last word. Uh, well, first of all, Hillary Slade, she was fantastic, uh, I have to say. And I'm not the biggest fan of Hillary Clinton. I thought she was fantastic. But more importantly, I think to your point, she she did, in fact, I think very carefully and skillfully appeal to key um, constituents that she constituencies she needs to reach out to, for example, millennials. And uh, I think she really scored high there. So I I thought she was fantastic, and I can't wait for the next two debates. Uh, Thank Mm -hmm. you so much, Jonathan (laughs) Goldblum, Jeff Norquay, Marit Stiles. You're listening to The Tommy Schnurmacher Show on CJD. Stay with us. News Talk Radio, CJAD 800, CJAD.com.